and we're live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 151 of the Fans of Power podcast. I'm Tyler Baker, and Joe Amato is here, and uh, we offer you what I like to consider like an epic crossover. Like when you see like two superheroes like crossover for the first time here, like that's what I think of with this episode what we're bringing to you here. Because I've always wanted to sit down and talk to this guy since the early days of the internet. And uh, I've known his name quite some time here. Val Staples has joined us here. Thank you, Val, for joining us. Thank you for having me on here. You know, and I just realized, Tyler, did, What's I don't up? even know if we gave him uh, what we're going to talk about topics-wise. Did we even did. mention this? I oh, did. you did? Okay. Did. Yeah. Just want to make sure, because I was like, well, this is just going to be just raw and random, just like always, but well, at least he knows, I guess. Oh, yeah, I, I gave I gave him a, a general idea, and he was like, I don't know if I can do that, but, you know, I said, ah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine, Val. We'll, we'll just guide you <laughs> along there, and, you know. <laughs> All right, well, I was going to let Val know, and you know, before we start up, we have some people live in the chat room that are joining us already. We have JSP, Febmon, Justin Hewn, uh, Zen Brown, and hold on, scroll down. Grimbot has joined us. He's always I was going to say, he better be here. Right. <laughs> and Eric Amon and T-Dog. So thank you all for joining us in the chat room. Awesome. Well, uh, and let everyone know too in advance, because Val, we always answer questions at the end of the podcast. And uh, if you guys have questions for Val concerning Heyman.org, uh, the comic book that he worked on, uh, various other projects, PowerCon, Keep no, keep noodling, and we'll we'll open it up for Val to answer anything you guys want at the end of the podcast as well. I have nothing of interest to offer, so I will bore people to tears. But we'll at least kind of keep it masqueraded there for you. You know, we'll, we'll present the image with smoke and mirrors here about the uh, the essence of Val there. But uh, well, I guess for people who may not know who you are, or kind of know who you are, but may not know as much, can you elaborate on your your role in the fan community? Oh, goodness. Um, I guess the quick and dirty of it is uh, I have been the owner of He-Man.org for org. Is it org? org? Yeah. <laughs> He-Man.org for <laughs> almost 20 years now. God, um, man. I started, out, yeah, I started out in the mailing list days like a lot of people from the first one on the internet. And um, I've, done, I've worked on a lot of things for He-Man and Shira over the years. I've been very fortunate in that regard. 2002 comic all the way up to working on packaging now for Super 7 Toys, and I'm also in charge of PowerCon, the Human Shira fan convention out in Los Angeles. That's to say you've had your hands deep in attorney and soul for quite some time here. Yeah, it's, well, I don't know about it's soul, but, you know, it's, I've been playing around. Soil, 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 like soil, the ground. Oh, I soil. Soul. Yeah. I was like, that's disturbing. I don't know. <laughs> Not doing no, that. no, no, no. It may be October. We're not going to get that crazy with it. <laughs> no, it's strange. You saying but, twenty uh, years for you know having this, you know, working on the site. I always say to me, it's just so bizarre because I didn't get onto the internet after I don't know two thousand or or whatever. It's just it's so weird for me to hear that it's been around that long. It shows how long I haven't been in a lot of these, you know, the community pages. Because Tyler, I know from the beginning, he said he's. He was like in a lot of the Masters of the Universe websites. And what, what was some of the other ones you said, Tyler? Because I know you were a part of a couple. And I was like, God, there was all these sites that, you know. I, I frequent it a lot. And I, I remember when, when Val would bring it up on Roast Google, because it was, it was just cool to hear others mention, but the old Adam Tyner website. Yeah. That was the first one that I can recall, which was just pictures of the toys, which was like my first kind of visuals of toys that I did not know exist and stuff like that. And then He-Man.org came along. 
and you know had pictures scans of the mini comic covers the figures uh the forms were there so that was all a big deal to me there too and then there was like castlegrayskull.org um there was uh uh, James Z talks uh, and Zadok Angels episode uh, review site, which told me a lot about the cartoon that I didn't know or got me reacquainted. So, a lot of the early stuff, man. I, I, I reminisce about the the old days of Eman.org back in this early stages. The uh, the episode review site. I mean, it was um, it was exciting because you were just so hungry to know that there were others out there who liked He-Man and to know that the sites were just getting bigger and He-Man.org kept expanding with the information, the pictures, the package art, the books, the videotapes. God, this is, this is fantastic. I swear I was a junkie at Walmart where I was just, I remember before I even had the internet, I had to go over to my buddy's house. And the only thing I wanted him to let me do was like, can I get on He-Man.org and just print out pictures of the comic books and just take them home with me? Cause I, I just was so desperate to have anything from the website. I remember those days. That, that was that was not uncommon. People, you know, we'd go to websites and print things out so we could reference them later. Back when dial-up would take forever, so you yes. didn't rely on necessarily. <laughs> or even, but geez, if you want to go way back, like X number of minutes, like with like CompuServe and AOL, so you you had to print it out because you couldn't stay online to read it. It was crazy. It was, well, now I feel really old. Jeez. Oh no, I know what you're talking about. I used AOL dial-up and everything to get on HeMan.org and. Going to early days of eBay, looking for toys and stuff like that too. So it was um, it's been a fun journey to see how how it's grown. And uh, I wanted to ask you too. Obviously, we Danielle had told us that PowerCon had been the biggest that you guys have had so far, correct? Yeah, yeah that's correct. I was going to say that in, in the three of us have discussed in private, but based on that and what you see on a regular basis with fan interactions and feedback and stuff, is is the fan community is it in trouble in terms of numbers, like, you know, like the, there's, there's a lot of He-Man fans, but is it, is it a big vocal community? Is it a, is the hardcore community slowly fading fast? I mean, based on what you've seen at PowerCon and dealing with Super 7, like what's almost like, how, how does it look to you in your eyes? Um, it's, it depends on how you look at it. It's, it's something where, uh, I had mentioned this on uh, another podcast as well, where someone asked me 10 years ago on Human.org where I thought the fan community would be today. And I predicted that there would be nothing going on for He-Man. There'd be like 100 or 200 of us hanging out online in different places talking. Um, I'm glad to be wrong. I was horribly off because the fan base is, it's been pretty stable in terms of its size. It, it, it peaked in terms of the online community aspect. And I'd say really the 2002 revival, uh, but it really, it, you haven't seen a monstrous dip. It, it's, it's been pretty steady. I mean, everyone, you know, like back in the day, he and the was kind of like the focal place where people went, but now with social media and the different groups, like I know Joe, you know, was in charge of a lot of different groups and uh, you have different websites. People kind of, you know, some people go to particular places like to, or a lot of people go to all these places. You see a lot of crossover and it's a pretty good sized base. It hasn't, um, Decline in terms of its its size that much. It's it's seen a little natural decay. You know, the longer there's no entertainment to drive people to come, you see things kind of taper off a little bit. Um, as my voice cracks, like it <laughs> and uh, it it's it's how it is. But you know, you don't see like you see with some other properties where people have had resurgences or fan communities, and then once that gone, once that's gone, they just die off. Like it just 
just goes away. He went, sure, I've not done that. Uh, yeah, I think really, that's really, really cool. It, it is. And I think that's the one thing that's great is, like you said, you know, with your website and the other stuff. Fuck! Or, sorry, didn't mean that. You didn't hear that live on TV. Or on a, dang, I pulled my shadow beast out. See, that damn it. I got to quit talking with my hands. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, that's what you. I think Val knows by this point that we, we do warn people that there is adult language on this podcast. So especially more than aware that you'll drop a few choice words and me too. So. And it's only and half the time when I'm dropping, literally dropping something. But like you said, with the site, you know, heman.org, other ones, and a lot of stuff through Facebook, as you've seen, it's like fans. We have been keeping it obviously alive because we're so passionate about it, seeing as, you know, we didn't have any type of media and toys for a good period of years but when the internet comes and you can be vocal you like sharing that love and so through all the websites and the facebook groups and everything you see fans still keeping it alive and it does seem like slightly in some areas it might even grow because i've noticed in a lot of the groups i'm in it's there's quite a few differences with the fans meaning i'll go to some and it seems like they will just dedicate all to vintage, meaning like the vintage toys, merchandise, and they love talking about it. And with the stuff Super Seven has shown recently, they've get you know they're getting that resurgence. It's like hey, it feels vintage again, and they're starting to collect again. And with those fans, some of them have noticed. Wait, what's this other line? Like they didn't even know about classics, and you would assume everybody would know, but you know nobody knows everything. But yeah, these fans have grown, and then it's kind of seeped into a lot of the classic groups now, and now some of them are starting to collect classics. Then there's the people that just collect everything and go nuts, and then there's groups to where they like talking about the comics and cartoons. So you're right. It's it's strange. You have to like see all these different places, but it seems like it's been getting rabid, and especially with a lot of stuff popping up in the stores. Like you said, there's not a, a new cartoon for He-Man. There hasn't been a new movie, so obviously there's no merchandise to be selling for new action figures, but with all the stuff between Funko, Loyal Subjects, and many other things, it's at least getting it back into people's minds that, I remember He-Man, oh my God, that's cool. And then they, well, what do they do? They go home, they go research it, and they find out there's a lot of stuff that's going on. So it's it's good it can spread out that way to bring the fans back because they're there. It's just they're, a lot of them don't know anything's going on. Yeah, yeah. sometimes, like you said, I mean, it's, to me, it seems like a no-brainer just to do a Google search for something you're interested in and find it, but it, it's surprising how you find people have just not seen something. I guess in this society, you know, we, we live in such an ADD time where news or images or articles are fleeting, like they're there for five minutes and then they're gone and replaced by something else. It's not like, you know, when we could pick up magazines that would be on the, the rack for a, a month and... You know, constant, constant exposure in like a finite number of places. Now it's so many resources, so many outlets, so many different places they go for news that it's so easy for something to pass you right by. That you would think, if you're a fan, you would catch. But like you said, sometimes you just don't because there's so much out there. No, and it's true. It's it's like even the comics when the comics were coming back and popping up in the comic shops, that was getting people a little resurgence as well. So it's it's always good seeing things coming back in some degree because you know without these things that trickle into the stores or you know comic shops or just the people that randomly search for things you're not getting everybody you'd hope to because you know there's still just there's tons of fans out there and hopefully you you're right they come back with finding something one way or another so that's why i'm glad to see that you know there's so much stuff that super seven's putting out 
and with Mattel with the potential things that they could do, you know, about the possibility of those five and a half inch figures or even giants or things that maybe can go into retail. So it's it's good. At least that's good to that aspect to where then if fans start buying, maybe more things will be made. And you never know the potential of a new cartoon or maybe even a movie could happen sometime. Even though that's the ongoing joke that, you know, we like talking about the, you know, the movie, yep, delayed, up, delayed. But if it happens, it'd be great. And hopefully it'd be a good movie when it happens, if it happens. Um, I have a, how do I say this? I have a, I have a good feeling for the future. Um, whether or not that translates into a successful future, um, that remains to be seen. But in terms of like, can we expect new things? Yeah, I have a feeling. You know, so, okay. you know, yeah, we won't dig. We won't ask in case. So, so can, can, we, can we put some, some stock into the feelings of Val Staples? Like, with can, that, can we can, can we invest in that? You can invest in that. Okay. All right. You hear, you heard it here first here, people. Obviously, there's something going coming down the pipeline possibly. That's just me even saying that. Val didn't say that. I'm putting words in his mouth right now. <laughs> but obviously, I, I think we, we know what that, that must mean. So that certainly sounds like a good good sign of things to come. Um, now, uh, before we get into like the topics, I, I've always wanted to talk to you about your time on the comic book. Because it always sounded like a very bittersweet project. Given the opportunity to work on He-Man, but all the restraints that seemed like that were <laughs> popping up. Sure. Yeah, you because know, and I think one of the, I, I, there's like the first two things I come up with or that come to mind was you guys throwing in Hero, okay, and ending the first uh, or the second storyline with the Horde with that that sure. splash page where you guys ended it with the, the the presence of the Horde coming in. Now, granted, the Horde show up in season two, but can you elaborate like why in, in Mattel? pretty much the final say over what you guys could and could not do, correct? Is that... Yes, that's, that's correct. Yeah, they had the final approval on everything. Now, why why was it such a, a trial to just um, include characters that... Because I, I remember you were uh, discussing your work on the on the uh, the book on an early episode of Rose School, and then one of the guys working at Mattel had saw that you guys had thrown in Hero and acknowledged it because you, like me... You're not a fan of King Grayskull, which is just magic to my ears <laughs> to hear you just beat that character up as much as I. I'm not a fan of him. I just, I felt, if I remember how we, I think it was like, it might have even been our first episode when we talked about that. Um, it's, it's just that I felt such a focus was put on him that to me it diluted some of the importance of, of what he made he meant special. But I mean, there's been a lot of counter arguments past that that kind of, uh, you know, I, I, that have been given, I think, a lot of merit. Like people have presented, well, I think of it this way, or I think of it this way. I'm like, okay, I can see that. But I'm still not a huge fan. Doesn't mean I don't think he's cool. I just, yeah, I just don't want him to be overplayed. I don't want, I don't want any character, especially our, our main characters like Skeletor, he had to ever be outshined, you know, by, by somebody else that comes along. I mean, even though, like, for example, like in the 80s, the Horde was amazing, right? I mean, Hordak was the big bad, and this was really cool, these new villains. They still never outshined Skeletor. You know, even though he was his mentor, even though he was kind of bigger and badder and, and, and a galactic conqueror, um, they ended up putting him over with Shiro, which was good, so he got a, a time to be important, and Skeletor was never out, out, outpaced or anything like that, and um, I liked that. You know, I thought that was the, the right way to handle it. So I was always worried somebody like King Grayskull would be like, oh, well, now... Now, He-Man is He-Man liked, 
you know, he, he's, he's not the, the fool. So, that, yeah, but anyway, that's going off on a tangent. Um, with the comic, it was it was weird. It, it was a weird situation because when I went into it and I did the original deal, the deal uh, for the license. Now, keep in mind, you know, I, I was the licensee. My company, uh, Indie Creations, had the license, and I chased that license. And I had I had a lot of people helping out, doing art for the pitches that you know contributed, and, and I hope to use them in projects or in covers. And a lot of them I did. You know, people got to work on the stuff, and I tried to get people included where I could. And one of the things that was agreed is that, okay, we're doing a comic that's for these, at the time, 20-somethings. 20-somethings and early 30-somethings. So our comic needs to have nostalgia triggers because that's what people are interested in when they read this comic. They want to pick it up because, not necessarily because they want to see new adventures, per se, or such and such, but they want to see the things they love as a kid. They wanted to see the characters they love. They wanted to see the things about the characters that they love, that sort of stuff. So I went in there, um, you know, there was an understanding that that would be the case. But when I got the original, um, uh, what was it called? Because I had to sign something, because everything moved so fast when this license took place. It was a uh, letter of intent, meaning my intent to, to do the license and to honor the terms and stuff of, like, you know, what we were going to do with money and stuff like that. But in that letter of intent, it said, you can use these characters. And there was like 16 different characters, which were the characters that had been uh, copied, I mean, trademarked at that time, like refreshed for trademark. And I went back to them and said, um, yeah, this is a bit problematic because it's not what we talked about. And I said, no, don't worry about it. That's just, you know, legal thing. You know, we'll take care of it later. Just move forward. I was like, okay. So I signed it. And then as we got into it and we're trying to do stuff, um, they, the entertainment side kept shooting down a lot of pitches that I would, I would send in for concepts. And the big thing is, which I, at the time was frustrating, but I understand it now. And, uh, especially, you know, a little, once I, you know, kind of cooled off a little bit, you know, (laughs) I'm making it personal, um, realized it was just business and they wanted to reserve the right to present things first in the cartoon because they wanted to make sure that 2002 was its own vehicle and its own voice and its own incarnation that was not diluted by other, you know, tangents that were going on. Like they they didn't want to have, for example, uh, the 2002 cartoon and then us doing a vintage He-Man comic. Like they didn't want that. Like they wanted everything to be in the voice of 2000X. Um, but you know, my position to them, I was like, well, remember, you know, we, we still need to be able to introduce characters that people want to see, even if you haven't put them in the cartoon, we need to be able to tell our own stories with these characters that don't necessarily, you know, correlate to what you're doing. And even there was an understanding, we still would keep getting shot down for things we want to do to bring in new characters or do stuff. So, uh, you know, I would, I would tempt fate here or there and, and see where I could go with things. So like hiding in hero with something, if we put him in shadow, maybe that's just something to whet people's appetite. And then possibly we could use it later on uh, once we talk about it more. Well, they didn't really like the hero. Um, so I was like, okay. So then now, was that Mattel saying they just like the current guy said they don't like the idea of hero or they didn't want you yeah, to use it? They, they didn't want us to put in a character they hadn't done in the cartoon yet. You know, they knew what hero was. It was just, was there by a chance an issue with Scareglow when you did that, you know, issue with Scareglow? Did that cause any friction or? 
that that did as well. It was something where uh, that one was really tricky because that was right around the time when there was a changing of the guard. Because um, that was, if I remember correctly, yeah, that was the one that came out um, in um, for Halloween for 2003. And they were at a point where going into, oh goodness, into 2004, they were winding, they were already winding down the licensing program for He-Man because that's how that formed. You know, I don't blame anybody. You know, I don't think Elma Mattel did anything wrong or whatever. It's just the nature of how it was because you had a lot of people doing stuff and it just wasn't taking. It just wasn't taking for whatever reason. And so they ended up, the people we were working with, we were no longer working with, we got moved over to the girls' division. Like, they, they put it into girls' licensing, and they did not care. Like, it was at the bottom of the priority list for them. And they were also used to doing quarterly publications at most. So there was something where they were used to doing, like, a children's book where they had ample time to get things approved and, and make sure they were what they wanted and, and good to go. With our comic, it was totally not like that. It's a monthly game, you gotta get it done. We had gotten things down to a two week turnaround time on approval, which was, even for us, was still too long, but it was the best that we could get from Mattel. And right around that time, um, you know, it was something where I had I had a responsibility, like I was, I was stuck in a rock hard place. One part, you know, you, I want to do the best to honor and respect the license and the brand. I don't want to do anything intentionally to cause any problems here. At the same time, I have a financial responsibility to get a monthly book done because I have a guarantee I have to meet for licensing royalties. So I needed to move forward and get things out, even if. Mattel was, you know, not getting back to me or humming and hawing on an issue. And for that part, for the most part, we had ironed everything out. It was going pretty good. Right around that time with Scareglow is when things were kind of shifting. And we were not getting feedback. We were not getting stuff. I had to get things out the door and take care of it. So I just moved forward with it because, you know, we had already talked about being able to put characters in there that they weren't doing. They weren't developing at that time. Um, more for the cartoon. I'm pretty sure you know, all the episodes had already been written for season two because that aired, what, fall through spring of 2004, if I remember correctly? I could be I believe so, yeah. So, you know, it wasn't a situation where, like, it's like, okay, well, you've already you've done what you're going to do. I need to move forward with this other stuff. And they still came back about not wanting to do Scarecrow. And I'm like, well, it's done. It's, it's already at the printer. Like, I had to get this done. Um, and they weren't terribly happy about it, which I, I completely get. But at the same time, it was also a ch- charitable comic. It was something where we did it to give for bags that went into Dream Halloween promotional items for charity. And then all the uh, the profits from the, uh, or the proceeds of the sake, because we still have to pay the printer or something like that, uh, from the comic went... We donated that to, uh, at the time, it was um, the Children children Affected by AIDS Foundation. And so they were like, okay, well, moving forward, we have to make sure that we're all on the same page. And I'm like, okay. So 
they came back first and they're like, all right, well, all you can do is do comic adaptations of episodes. Mm. I was like, that's not going to work guys. That, that is that, that I, I am not going to be able to do that. So is that said, why the snake man comic book got done? Cause I wondered about that. Yes. I, I was kind of perturbed about that when that was released. That's, that's exactly what that was. And it was a situation where I still was able to embellish upon the story and take it further and do some different things with it that fit what we were doing with the comic. But I said, look, we have to get something out the door. I'll go ahead with a mini series where we do that because the snake men are, are pretty neat and we haven't done anything with them. I don't think we've done anything at the time. I said, but we can't do that moving forward. When we start our volume three, it has to be you know, back to what we agreed upon. And they just kept taking forever to get back to us. And we just started uh, putting stuff out there and, and getting it done. And they got back to us and said, look, you can't publish this stuff until it's approved. And I said, well, I have to put it out there because I have to pay you the money that I owe you. And I'm going by the original timelines that we had agreed to for approval. So I was like, you're the one that's taking too long. That's a you thing. You have to sort that out. You know, it's like, I, I'm not trying to be difficult. I understand where you're coming from. I respect where you're coming from, but you have to respect where I'm at and the position I'm in because I have a financial responsibility as well. And then I, I said, you know, I, I said, I've done nothing in the comic that, you know, is, is there to, you know, hurt the brand in any way whatsoever. I've been completely faithful and respectful to it every step of the way. I've, you know, I've done my best to make sure I all of your trademarks and that stuff, you know, it doesn't step on anybody's toes, which I think is more of kind of the fear they had. Not so much that, you know, they, they were upset about new characters, but because the entertainment of the cartoon wasn't progressing anymore, they were no longer trademarking new stuff. So mm. they had a concern that, okay, well, do we own this character? Do we, you know, can we really put it out there? Uh, because they were still very green about their older brands at that time. They, there was a new, you know, new people working there. They weren't familiar with the property. You know, hadn't been rebooted since the new, new adventures. Um, so there was a lot of uncertainty, and I, and I, and I get it, you know. But we made sure we, you know, checked through everything, the, you know, the trademark registry, you know, researching stuff for them because, you know, we, we don't want anything bad to happen. So it still was a too big of a concern for them. So they came back and said, "All you can do moving forward." is you can only use these characters. And they gave us a list. And it was a long list. And it was essentially every character that had been in the cartoon so far or had been a toy. And I said, this still does not allow us the option to introduce older characters, which is something we agreed upon at the very early stages of this agreement. So here's the kicker. Like, I, and I'm, and I, I can't attest that all of this is 100% accurate. Because you're talking about a 15-year-old memory at this point, right? Um, so the the thing that happened, they said, well, we need to go by what's in your contract. I was like, well, we don't have a contract. And they're like, you don't have a contract? And I was like, no, we have a contract. It's just not signed because you never fixed the things in there that I brought to your attention that were not correct in the original deal. And I'm still waiting all this time later for you to address that. So they're like, we'll get back to you. So about a week goes by, I think, and they come back and they said, you know what, since you don't have a contract and we have these concerns over characters, we're just going to end the license. Hmm. I'm like, great. 
fantastic. You know, and I think by that time we were already into, you know, pretty well into volume three. So I, I wanted to go out, you know, kind of a, a fun thing. And I, but at, at that point I was, I was kind of done. I, I was pretty fried with where things had gone creatively. And I didn't want to be sour grapes about it because that was my problem. Uh, there were still people that enjoyed the comic and, and you know, wanted to buy it. So I didn't want to ruin their experience anyway for me dealing with politics and, you know, accounting and paperwork and all that nonsense. So for issue seven of volume three, uh, I gave Leanne Hannah the opportunity to do an issue based on her favorite character, Stratus, because uh, <laughs> the editor of Stratus was the editor. Leanne was the editor at MV Creations, and she had worked so hard all the time that I wanted her to have an opportunity to actually tell a story and draw a story to be in the comic, sorry to make it that money. And then and for the very final issue, I just let Emiliano uh, draft up how that was going to um, be done with the plot because, um, like, you know, he had uh, he had been pretty instrumental in uh, the volume three because I was kind of you know burned out, you know, at that point. But then I was really burned out at the end, and so I think I think that was all him, if I remember correctly, that very last issue. Um, and I and I gave somebody the chance to write it. I forgot the guy's name. He had he was so polite, and he had been hitting us up, begging to to work on something for He Man since we first got the license. And he was always professional, and he was always respectful. And I read one of his stuff, and I thought it was pretty good. I said, you know what? I'll let this guy do it. I'll let him write the script on it. And then we got Fabio uh, Laguna to draw this. We had I've been working with Fabio on uh, Dragon's Lair because I was another one of my licenses. And because um, I just love his art style, and that's kind of how we went out with it. And it was a real bummer because they never gave us a chance to go back and try to recoup a little bit of our money that we would have gotten in trade sales mm. um, with like Volume Three or Rise of the Snake Man. And um, so, a lot of things were left on the table with that comic that were never approached in the way that it could have been and probably should have been approached. Um, wow. You know, that's another question, I guess, I could get to you. I mean, before we get into, you know, discussing some stuff about the MYP cartoon and first initial thoughts on that, but seeing as MYP seems like it has a very huge fan base. I mean, there's so many people that were so bummed that we never got another season. We never got to see Hordak finally have his time to shine along with Evil Horde and other stories. Do you think, like I said, it's just a hypothetical is that something you think possibly could be done in the future, even with maybe DC? Like, let's say when they run their course with the current comic they're doing crossover with, you know, the Injustice. If fans asked enough, and, and plus it's like everybody pitching, since you know we'll probably never be able to see, obviously, a cartoon that continues the MYP story, could it be continued in comic book format? Do you think that's something that could be a possibility? Because fans are pretty rabid about it. Um, well, if, I, if, if I can say really quick about the other thing just to, so I can put it oh, sure, go ahead. Um, um, I'm, I'm you know I don't want anybody to think that I'm upset or bitter about any of it you know business is business and sometimes things happen that don't go your way or they don't work out the way it was originally planned and that's just how it goes you know you have to make lemonade out of lemons and that's what we did we did the best that we could and um, I'm still honored to have been given the opportunity to do that they didn't have to do that we, you know, we, uh, we met our guarantee. I made sure we, we had a, 
um, very sizable guarantee for the course of three years that we had to pay on royalties. I met that guarantee in uh, two years. And so I got that paid, paid them every penny they were ever owed, take, you know, um, did right by it. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to have done it. So I'm not bitter. I'm not upset. It's just a bummer. It's a bummer when you can't do exactly what you want. But like I said, it happens. So, you know, it's, I'm still proud of what was put out there. I think everybody did an excellent job. I know uh, Emiliano worked his rear end off on that comic. Like when, when he first started out, he didn't have, he's in Sicily where it's like, Friggin' hot as heck, and he didn't have an air conditioner, so he's mm. sweating away. Wow! Like he even showed me, you know, back when we were on, you know, better terms. Um, you know, I saw some of the pages that literally had sweat. Real sweat and tears. Yeah, showing the love. Yeah, I mean, he really busted his rear end because he, had, you know, he has a genuine, you know, genuine love for him. And um, you know, I mean, everybody worked really, really hard, and, and I was, I was proud to be part of that. But for the, the what you're talking about continuing with the comic um i mean anything's possible we've seen some i would say retro resurgent type miniseries type stuff for like dc and marvel properties in the past where they've kind of gone back and revisited old stories and old concepts i think it really just depends more on the future for the brand itself if, if he-man has something that comes along that's like a movie and or cartoon and they they do really well that would be, in my opinion, the sort of thing that could fuel that because you would have a wider audience, a wider interest, and then there may be a renewed interest from new fans and new people that came in about what's this 2000X thing? This is really cool. It didn't get finished. So then they might do, like what you said, they might do a comic continuation of it. I don't think, like you said, we will ever see an, an animated thing because right, right. It, it needs to be financially viable. It, it would have to be something, I think, where it would be like Netflix would work because they felt that it had legs. But given that we really have not seen the 2000X cartoon have any mileage on Netflix, that kind of leads me to believe that it really doesn't have the pool to warrant that. But I Did they run that? Wait, are you saying they were running the MIP cartoon on Netflix at one time? Is that what you said? No, I don't think it's been on there at all. It might have been there briefly, like a long, long time ago, but it, I, 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 it might not have been there ever. And it's, it's something that I'm kind of curious why it's never been there i don't know if it's a situation where the filmation cartoon didn't have the pool they wanted so maybe it wasn't worth investing more money and doing the 2000x one I, but again i'm just speculating I okay, no okay. well I, I wasn't aware of that because i it seemed like there was such a a fanfare for for he-man being on netflix i, I just wow that's uh that's the shame it didn't didn't draw as much um i did want to ask you too um because you had mentioned there were some pitches. I know that you got that you had an idea for uh, a faker storyline because you guys did yeah. that uh, exclusive cover. Was that one of the pitches of of a, of a storyline of of kind of changing up, like making faker like a uh, like a Bizarro type He Man? Is that isn't that kind of what you were going for with that character, at least in the two thousand X realm? Yeah, pretty much. That, that was pretty much what it is. It's it's um, and I, and I feel in retrospect, I feel really. I, I ended up feeling like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm really dumb because I didn't know about the German audio plays at that time. I, I think I'd heard about them, but I didn't know the story. And if I had been aware of exactly what that story was with like anti-Eternia, that's what I would have pitched instead of our mm. own thing. Because there was, there would have been, in, in, in essence, what I was pitching was kind of that. And not this, not, not, you know, the similarities, not even close, but 
in structure or at least theme, it's, it's kind of the same. It would make more sense to utilize that. But it's exactly what you're talking about. It's an Elseworld type idea because I, I never, I never liked that Faker was just kind of nothing. Like, yeah, he's supposed to be this opposite of He-Man that's supposed to be this like really strong robotic version of him. But he never did anything. Like, he never offered any sort of, of actual genuine threat in the cartoon. He was a joke for like one episode and looked just like He-Man with glowing eyes. Um, he never really had an opportunity to shine any stories in the vintage, uh, you know, uh, canon that was out there with any of the books or the mini comics. He, he just he just didn't have his day. He at least so got a spear I'm, thrown in his chest, you know, from King Randor. That's about it. More like gears flying out the back or something. Like yeah, that. I think so. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, I hope good old Bruce Timmer does good stuff. Oh yeah. Um, I I. I just always wanted him to be an adversary that was equal to He-Man to make him really cool. And I thought that would be a fun way to do it, where he was this warlord. But it wasn't my idea. It was actually John Boyd Myers in the studio suggested it one day in there about why don't we, you know, have this, like, you know, why don't we make Faker like this Elseworld evil He-Man? And um, to this day, he still thinks that it wasn't him. Like, he, he's, he's a real humble guy. He's like, oh, no, I'm pretty sure that was you. I'm like, no, dude, that was your idea. It's a good idea. You came <laughs> up with it. Um, but, yeah, we, we put together a pitch. And that was one of several pitches that just didn't go anywhere. But that's what pitches are. You know, you make pitches, and sometimes they catch, and a lot of times they don't. Yeah, I, I guess with, with the horde being – I'm sorry, Joe. Go ahead. No, I wasn't. It's it's not actually a question because you can get into it, Tyler. But uh, Val, by chance, would there maybe be a volume either on your uh, anywhere, maybe in your earbuds or something, or if you could get a little closer? Because I've had some people pop in the chat room said they almost couldn't hear you. They sounded maybe a little low. I didn't know. Was it sound low to you, Tyler, on your end? Did it seem? I, I can hear them pretty good, but I I, I guess I could see, see why they might think you might sound a little low. Um, I don't. It's a it's a headset, and I don't have any way to. I can only increase the um, the volume. I can take a look here. I don't know what the settings are. This is I was almost yeah, because I was gonna say, well, I didn't want you getting like bam right up on the camera. I was gonna say, yeah, well, if you no, scoot a little closer, oh, maybe. Oh, oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! All right, how's that? There Holy we go. Shit. I mean, yeah. yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Oh my God! You sound like you're reading my face. That's great. Oh, that's saying that good. Oh, man, that's I, gotta, good. I gotta fix something here. Okay. Then it, it turned off. Oh, this dumb thing. Now he sounds like me. <laughs> when he's <I'm> dumb. <laughs> All right. Can you hear me better now? Very good. Okay. 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 I'm a dumb dumb. Um, it was actually set to the mic on my headset, which is about two feet away from me. So no wonder I sounded quiet. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's fine. So I'm really, sure. really sorry. <laughs> that's okay. You're good now, though. But uh, yeah, there you go. Now, Tyler, you're asking something. Yeah, right? uh, I, 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 me and my brother both, because I was so proud that, that this was a book that my brother really got into, and he was never really into He-Man. So mm -hmm. everything 2000X. I mean, we we were both ecstatic when we saw the Horde show up on the last page of, of Volume Two. Was that one of the pitches? To like, okay, now we're going to bring the evil horde. Because you guys had, I mean, a, a Shadow Weaver, Mantana, Grizzlore, Horde yeah. Troopers. Like, it wasn't just a like Horde act just sitting there. Like, you guys really seemed to be going for all of it. It it was something, like, at the time, they still, like, the Horde was still planned to be for season two of the cartoon at that time. And, uh, you know, the Four Horsemen had been working on 
Horde figures and had sculpted, you know, um, there was Horde Buster Armor He-Man, which I don't think has ever been shown. Uh, there was, you know, Horde Act, a, a number of people. And if you remember, they, they never got released. They ended up being released as factions, like much, much yeah. later. And they, they, that's because they had, so many of them had already been sculpted. Uh, Mattel shifted gears and ended up doing the Snake Men because Cartoon Network came back, ordered half of a season for season two and specified focusing on the snake men because they said the snake men uh marketed better or got more viewers when those episodes showed than than other episodes um so that's what their focus was but i mean you know that's because we didn't have the horde in the cartoon yet i'm sure if they had been in there they would have yeah. done done just as well if not better but i understand why they did that so like when we did that um, we were kind of following suit with the notion that the Horde was coming and we were sort of doing our own teaser. And I, I went ahead and asked Emiliano if he could hide, you know, put Shadow Weaver in there too, because we were also talking with Mattel and they were at the time um, wanting to also get the rights to She-Ra uh, to potentially have She-Ra either worked into the cartoon or to be her own thing. But that really hinged on the, performance of the 2002 uh, franchise, which ultimately, as we know, didn't perform as well as, as people hoped. So that got iced, but, you know, I pushed to kind of hide Shadow Weaver operating on the hope and, and dreams that they were going to nab the she license, because I had already been talking at the same time, too, with um, a creative team to do a she comic. I, um, I, had, uh, I had tapped um, Gail Simone to write it. Um, I had, uh, who did I talk to? Oh my goodness. It was, um, uh, Fiona Staples, no relation to do the art, <laughs> to the art for it. I really wanted a female creative team for the She-Ra comic, you know, because uh, these are creators and comics that I know I really respect that have done great work in comics. And I thought that would be fantastic, but it didn't happen. So we were, you know, you, you move in advance and plan things out with the hopes that's going to happen. So you're ready. And that was one of those things that was put in there with the hopes that he was going to be the horde and boom, we could hit you with it in the comic, but it just never happened. So that was a teaser for something that never occurred. And see, just the oh, thing you were God. talking about earlier, you said in the filmation cartoon, you felt as Hordak in the filmation cartoon just really never outclassed or outshined Skeletor. Yeah. But if Hord now Hordak in his brief appearance in NYP, and if it would have continued, do you think yeah. that Hordak would have outclassed Skeletor or no? That's a tough one because he, he was, you know, he, they had already set up, you know, King Grayskull to be, well, in that episode to be this, you know, the, the origin of the power. So he's already, you know, in, in my opinion, bigger and badder than He-Man. So if his adversary is Hordak, to me, that was sort of sending the message that Hordak is bigger and badder than Skeletor. Um, so it would have been a concern of mine, but... I think Skeletor is always going to be the money. Like he's going to be the guy who's the biggest marketable villain for He-Man. So I think if they did bring in Hordak and he did end up being kind of the focus, I suspect they would have found a way to have Skeletor uh, surpass him and uh, come out on top as an even bigger threat than before. That, that would be my guess. So. Okay. Like that. Cause I've often felt too, but we've discussed it multiple times that I've often felt it would come to, a, a really like hard blow fight, but yeah. Skeletor would inevitably 
rise above and still remain like the top tier villain of all all three villain factions because I feel like that's, yeah that's that's like, that's what I think too I mean I'm with you on that one yeah because I, I I I don't like you I don't want to see He Man and Skeletor ever dropped in terms of yeah. status like they always should be the the flagship characters of the franchise and and nothing less build the build up King Hiss and Hordak all you want in Shira yeah. but. Well, you know, not to downplay sure, but He-Man needs to be the the top tier, yeah, at least in his universe. Same thing with She-Ra in her universe. But agreed. I, I'm I'm glad to hear others say that as well. Um, I, I I've always, those are questions that you have touched on, and maybe you've elaborated in other cases. But I know for a while you, you know, really had to kind of stay quiet about it. And I was always fascinated mm-hmm. by the things I'd see in that book and go back and just think what just because I would reread a lot of those, look at the panels over and over again. And just try to decipher anything. The whole storyline with Man at Arms going mm-hmm. off and it comes back and with it like an alternate personality. Like yeah. I felt like, where was that going? And you guys, yeah, didn't get. To, to... Yeah, because because that was the plan. Is that other series, the Faker one, was going to run simultaneous alongside it. So then you're going to have our Man at Arms in that world partnering up with, uh, you know, Keldor to try to overthrow Faker. You know, that, that was the idea of that story. And then him trying to find a way to get back to um, his Eternia that he came from. So it was, it was going to, they were going to play off each other and it would have fleshed out the story much better. So you didn't have that. <laughs> you just kind of had to be like, well, man, I was off doing something. I don't know what he's doing, but you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it just had man, to use your imagination. God. God, it just brings so much more closure to just years of like, what the, or, I mean, where, where was this going? Like, I just, it's a it's a shame that you guys didn't get to elaborate anymore on a lot of the stuff that you guys yeah. intended to, and I'm just I'm thankful to be able to talk to you about it because I know that you had to remain quiet for a lot of a long period of time about that stuff. I know that it's um I know that the the the, the creative team that worked on the 2000 X cartoon had similar feelings as well because they really wanted to do a lot of great things too, and they were chomping at the bet to tell different stories and, and reveal certain characters. And, and they didn't get that to do that either. And the four horsemen had so many things that they wanted to put out there and they hadn't have a chance to get them out as toys as they were looking forward to. So, I mean, everybody, you know, feels the same way about, you know, I have something I want to do, but didn't get to do it. And it just, it just happens. You know, it's just, just how it goes. Yeah. Well, Hey, and I was going to say, you know, kind of going into our first topic in a way, it's going to segue into like first impressions of things for like the NYP cartoon. And this is no knock at Tyler or anybody that likes certain <laughs> things, but he knows here we go. If I say it's not a knock at Tyler, it means it's a knock at Tyler, but it's not. <laughs> but okay. So like, you know, when we go back to, you know, the, the original comics and of course, filmation cartoon and people had something set in their head of basically now they kind of realize this is basically what He-Man looks like. And then when the 87 movie came, yeah, yeah. and the 87 movie, when it came, and I'm not saying everybody, but a good portion of fans were like, well, that don't look like He-Man. That don't look like the sources. That don't look like Castle Grayskull. And they were upset. And then New Adventures came after that. And they're like, that don't look like He-Man or Adam and Skeletor looks different. But when MYP came out, and, you know, you might not have liked the first impression of it, but the majority of fans thought, damn, that looks like He-Man. That looks like Beast-Man. They look like them, but they're cool and they're upgraded, though. But they look cool now. I guess my question is just to go back to the movie, to New Adventures, NYP. What were your mm-hmm. first impressions of each of those? Um, I was I was of a similar thought on that. For me, the very first 
image I saw, and, and Tyler, I apologize if I break your heart at any point. Um, it, <laughs> the very first image I saw was, uh, I love the He-Man magazine that came out, the U.S. magazine. Yeah. And I saw Skeletor on the cover. Somehow I missed the He-Man issue that came out before. I don't know how I missed that one. And I was like, what the heck is this? And I went out and I was like, I was just devastated because that wasn't the Skeletor that I knew. He wasn't the yellow bone faced guy. And, and, and I was like immediately rejected it because it just, it wasn't what I wanted to see on the big screen. It's not what I dreamed about as a kid to go in and see. Um, it, the movie as a whole, and I'm just, I'm just being, being sincere about it is it, it bombed. Um, it has not done well anytime that it has had a resurgence with a Blu-ray release or a DVD re release. Um, it's still panned for the most part as being a bad movie. But I think it's a solid sci-fi movie. I really do. I think if you just kind of don't walk into it with the expectation of this is the Master Universe that represents the 80s franchise and you instead looking at it as just a cool sci-fi movie version of He-Man, I think it works because I mean, it, it's a, it's a fun movie and people really put their backs into it who worked on that movie yes. and they were, you know, consummate professionals about it. And I think it really shows. And um, it's grown on me over time as I think it has a lot of old school fans, but I think at its time, um, unless you were open-minded like Tyler was about like a new um, look for it, I think, Fans like me who are a little more jaded about it, you know, it's because it wasn't what we wanted to see. Uh, so that that kind of made it difficult. But um, I think New Adventures had that same issue because they were trying to they wanted to reinvigorate the franchise. And sci-fi was hot at that time, like the late 80s went to the 90s. That, that was you know the barban barbarian fantasy aspect had died off. And sci-fi was a, was a pretty big focus with things that were popular. So it makes sense. Let's, let's lean a little bit more towards sci-fi and put some of that kind of stuff in here. Um, but I, I, still, I still feel in a way that they still tried to respect what was there because it continued the story. You know, they, they didn't reboot it as, a, as this space thing. They, they continued it, which is... Which for me, I think, makes it interesting because you can either just opt to, you know, elect to ignore it, or you have another chapter that you can explore for what it is in the He-Man world. And, um, you know, I, I know Emiliano, back when we were in the comics, had some really good concepts for uh, tying that kind of aspect into uh, that classics world, which I thought was really cool. Like he did some of it with his Homecoming yeah. comic where... Um, you know, he had the He-Man with the pants on, and you know he brought some of the, those aspects. Like KO to it. came back in it, and you see like you know various like uh, throwbacks. Exactly. I thought that was yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's really cool and really creative stuff, and and really neat. And um, I when I first for me, the first time I heard about it was I was in school, and a friend of mine said, "Are you going to get the new He-Man line?" I'm like, "Oh, what, what new He-Man line?" You know. And uh, they said, yeah, it's out now. It's in stores. And I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 what? You know, so uh, that weekend, my mom went to uh, the department store. It was best, best department store. Yeah, the only weekend. other person I've heard mention best. Like, not too many people yeah. mention that store. So I know yeah. Val Staples knows best department I know best. Best is where I got my very first He-Man figure. Many faces came from best. So it's, uh, it's, that's where we would 
go for that stuff. And I went, I was all excited and I went down to the boy toy aisle and I walked up and I was like, eh, what, what is this? You know? And I was just, I was devastated because it was like, <laughs> it, it, everything was different. The visuals are different. The figures are like wimpy, you know, cause I like my big muscle squat bound, you know, figures. And I just, I just hated them. I hated the color schematics. I hated how it looked. And, you know, it really, but the thing is, it really wasn't for me. You know, they, they were trying to do something new to cater to a, a new audience of fans in a time where the sci-fi aspects were hot. And when you look at it like that, you realize that, you know, it, it, it wasn't meant to be my He-Man anymore, you know? Um, and I think kind of like the movie, it's it's gone on to be appreciated by a lot of fans. It's still definitely not very popular. Um, They're just not educated yet, Val. And that's our mission statement on this podcast here. It, it's what? They're just not educated. So we're, <laughs> that's part of our mission statement on this podcast. I, I think with anything, if if you give it a chance, like you, if you're willing to go back and look at it, you know, like some people should be giving for the new Shira cartoon. Um, you gotta get, you gotta give a chance, right? You gotta give an opportunity to see well, how it is before you throw did, the baby out of the bathwater. New events. Oh, you know? wow. Has has new adventures grown on you though? Like throughout the years, have you appreciated the cartoon and toys these years later, or is it still? You know of- what? You know what? I, I I had a chance to needle Tyler. I had to take it. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was like, Val did that on purpose. <laughs> what a coincidence, man! Like, oh, too I did that. that. It, was, it was too easy, man. I had it in. I had to, I had to go for it. I'm sorry. Oh God, um, that's like a big open wound. Uh, he just tore like a big can of like you know, salt. <laughs> Cheap. Yeah, yeah. It just, it, yeah. Now, good luck. <laughs> yeah, men on card you know? figures, whether the European card or not. I mean, they're not cheap. You want a complete Skeletor with the cape, the Havoc staff, and his helmet. You're gonna you're gonna pay a a, a nice little buck to get that. Yeah. And is it missile yeah. armor flip shot one of the most expensive ones? Oh, yep. oh, hook and flog, yeah. too tall hoove. Yeah, all those variants, man. They they go for high dollar. And um and uh um, 
Hook'em Flog, I I love along with um, help me guys, the 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 bulky He Man with the oh battle armor. punch He Man or yeah, Thunder battle, Punch He Man yeah battle punch battle, um yeah that was like oh that's the aesthetic they're getting back to it you know and it was like a little too late but I was like those are some sharp good looking figures you know? they are they they are really cool and I and I'm a sucker for translucent stuff. So him with that translucent greenish yellow so like, like the power shield sword and, and the shield like the first one that came out. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was so yeah. cool. Yeah, those are really those are really cool. Like they're really cool aspects. So it's um like I said, it, I I may have poo pooed them on like when I was initially saw him as a kid, but that stuff, you know, it it grew on me over time once I gave it a chance and stopped just being. And what about the cartoon? About new, it, you know? What about New Adventures cartoon? Is that something that you know you love a lot when you're kind of growing or what? Jack Olesker is a is a fantastic man. Um, he's he's such a kind man, and I think he did fantastic things with with the story and working with what he had along with the creative team. But the final product for me is almost too hard to watch. It's it's to this day still. It's a little rough for you to watch to, even now. To this day, to this day, we um. We, it was I was sitting around in in um back when I had a house. Um we were in my house and uh we uh said, Let's watch a new adventures of He Man episode. And so Rachel had all the DVDs and she pulled it out. It was still shrink wrapped. She hadn't <laughs> opened it at all. <laughs> so we opened up, we put it in and we were like kind of stoked and about ten minutes into it we're like just had to cut it off like no one wanted to watch it it, it just That's a shame. it was it was it was hard i i think if if i stomached through it and went back and did it it would be okay but in fairness there are episodes like that for any cartoon that i grew up with when i go back and watch and i'm kind of like eh. you know as an adult it's it's it, i don't have the kid eyes anymore you know i have these grumpy jaded like nitpicky fan adult eyes that are they're gonna be more cynical and critical than they than they should be right no. so you know. but i can so, see at least from anything you said with the movie that kind of grew on you and yeah. as for the it is a solid sci-fi movie it really is it really it is. is and it is it is a solid one and it grew on me too because when i first seen it i wasn't a super fan of it but then the more i watched it years later it's like i love this movie New Adventures, just like you, going in the toy aisles. I was like, what am I looking at? And I was with yeah. my mom as well. I was like, I don't want these. This is He-Man. This isn't He-Man. And the yeah. cartoon, I knew nothing of that till years later when the internet came around. I was like, there was a cartoon for this? I thought they just had horrible toys. But the, the toys, <laughs> they kind of grew on. <laughs> well, really, and it's weird. They're up there. I got the toys up there, and I do enjoy them. But the cartoon, I slightly enjoy. I've given it a chance, but when it first when I first watched it, I was just, I had to watch the first five episodes and every time I'd go through them, I literally was mm. falling asleep and I'd tell Tyler the story and it's not joking. I would start falling asleep. I was like, I can't do it. But after about maybe fifth, sixth time, I was like, okay, it's not that bad. And it slowly grew on me, but I guess gotcha. from okay. judging, from, judging from you, you just, you love the toys, but you still don't feel the cartoon. But what was it with MY? I, I really haven't, I, I really haven't given the cartoon a, you know, a solid chance. Like I haven't gone back and given it repeat viewings to see if it will grow on me because maybe it would. I just, I just haven't still to this day. I haven't I'm actually kind of scared to put the DVD, like, you know, the DVD and I'm scared. It's going to like those DVDs are, um, I hate to say it, but a lot of those BCI DVDs are starting to fail. Really? Oh, really? Um, they were not manufactured. What fails on? Yeah, they were not manufactured well oh, at man, all. I didn't know. Uh, they, they won't read. Oh, um, 
I don't know if it's how they were sealed or what happened, but yeah, that's it's. If you have the DVDs, you might try seeing if they play because they're for a lot of people they're starting to fail, um, which is not good. Which is not good. Those are those are supposed to be high quality press DVDs that should last a long, long, long time. And um, here we are, a little over ten years later, and they're not working. That's bad. Do That's temperatures really affect them, like too much heat or cold, or how they're stored? Or anything? Do you know, or could that cause um, I, I'm sure it does with any kind of media, but I mean, we're talking about you know people who have Blu-rays and DVDs all stored in the same location, and it's just the He-Man ones are going. You know, mm, so. Wow. If you have the sets, I encourage you to to pop them in and and see. Oh, we, we you know, did just, a, a just top check. I mean, I just couldn't do anything. I, I did pop in one one of the uh, episodes from the first set, and it worked fine. But Perfect, I good. haven't tried haven't tried it since then too. Good, um, good, good, good. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I I keep them. I treasure that set because of the whole mur- mural, like spine. Like I keep them separate above the rest of the DVDs. Like I have everything else kind of start below that. You're you're, you're welcome. That set. Yes. Oh, so that that was that was your idea because I the mural was my idea, um, but Emiliano did it all. Like that was he that that was him. He put all that together. Um, the art cards were Andy Mangles' idea, and so Andy Mangles um, suggested that one. the The problem with the mural um, is, and I, and I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but. The way that people, when they stock DVDs, they pull the DVDs out of a case in a certain direction and put them. And the side that it was printed on was always the face outside in stores. So anytime you would walk in the store, so often you would see a piece of the mural instead of the title. And that's not good because no one will notice it's a He-Man yeah. DVD set. So anytime I walked in a store anywhere and I saw him, I'd flip them around. You know, but that that happened. Like that's I don't know if you guys ever saw that, but you walk into a lot of stores and you'd see the mural side facing out. So it's um that was the I, one. I remember seeing the uh, the other side facing out because I, that's just not. But then again, too, I just I grabbed it the the day they hit the streets. Like I, I oh, didn't nice. wait around. I just I would run and grab it. And I remember getting the first one before it broke the street date. It was like released on came out on Saturday. It was due out on, on the street that Tuesday, and I I remember just going home thinking I got something else that nobody else has and. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I still treasure that. It's, it's still fun to look at. I that, those were, that was a lot of fun memories when those DVDs were coming out. The two thousand X was work. It they was were a ton blast. of fun to work on. They were a lot of fun to work on. I, I coordinated uh, all the delivery of art and a lot of the the written assets that were went on the DVD. So um, like Emiliano and James and uh, Alessandra and I forgot who else were working for me doing that and. Then the, the team that worked at BCI, like those guys really wanted to do a good project. So like Barrett and Jeff uh, were ahead of it. David Levine did all the, you know, was like in charge of like layout and, and also design. And um, he's an amazing uh, artist as well. So and there was a lot, a lot of love that went into that. I know Andy Mangles really broke his backside on the, working on the uh, commentaries and stuff that went in there, you know, put in a lot of time and hours on that. So, I mean, you have people that really about it that really wanted those sets to be high quality representations of something that they, that, that we love um and i think it, i think they showed that when they came out yeah and because oh. what was it the the last dvd that had you know myps snake mm-hmm. mount um, and castle grayskull because many people that have the mural 
Yeah. A lot of them thought they had it complete until they found out Best Buy had an exclusive yeah. you know, version and they were so yeah. pissed. What? Because <laughs> I still see that some people say, hey, check out my mural. I was like, that's not complete yet. And they're like, yep. what are you talking about? And I tell it's them, oh, yeah, it's missing the slipcase from Best Buy, like you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so there's still that little piece out there. So, well, we heard your first impressions of the 87 movie and New Adventures, and it changed throughout yep. the years, took a long time. And for one, Still hasn't changed that much, but MYP, first impression, what did you think of that when that first was coming out and showing? And then um, that, that was another thing where the people that worked on that really gave it their all. And, and people, like Mattel spent around a million dollars an episode. They did not go cheap. Like Mattel really, I mean, there's fans out there that, that point their fingers at Mattel and and blame them for all sorts of things for 2000X. And I'm sure you can come up with any myriad of reasons for like why things didn't pan out the way they did. But in terms of creative endeavors and marketing and, well, people will say there weren't commercials. There were. Um, they'll say it wasn't marketed that well. They did the best they could with the, the venues and audience that they, they had access to that wanted to run the product or whatever. Um, they really did not spare any expense like they really went the distance i mean you're talking about toys that have so much unique tooling on them though from a line that historically was a tooling reuse machine uh they they dropped a ton of money like i said in, in every episode they had a lot of creative people that really knew the franchise and really cared about it ian and richter who was dollars per episode i didn't mean to cut you off but a million dollars per episode. yeah they, they they mattel lost a ton of money on that reboot a ton of money. People have no idea just how much was spent on it. And they, uh, they, I know Ian Richter, who is at uh, Entertainment for Mattel Entertainment. Like he, you know, he is a big He-Man fan. Like, yeah, you know, I give him crap all the time because he's the one that came up with King Grayskull. So I, I give him a hard time. But he's I, know, a, I, I think we need to have him on. He's, he's a good guy though, and he's really passionate, and he really did put a lot of effort and love into what he did. Um, that's why I don't, it's like, while as a fan, like King Grayskull, some of the aspects bug me, I don't really mind because I knew the guy that did it cared. And like, this was kind of like his way to contribute to something that he, he loved. And, he, and it's kind of like a personal payoff for all the time he put into it. Yeah. Um, so I get it. It's kind of like, you know, people give Scott a hard time about the Mighty Spectre. And it's like, well, this guy worked tons of hours on his, bare time and he tosses a figure in there for himself i don't care you know look at all the other things we got that we may have never have gotten 250 plus figures i mean seriously it's insane so you know if you want to have like one in there that's your own personal thing so be it so it's it's when you go back to 2000x you know you have a few the creators always put their mark on it here or there with a like you know, like, for example, Larry Tilio coming up with Granamere, you know, like that was his mark, you know, he left it. And, um, and you know, King Grayskull, even though we're not huge, well, I don't know about how, how you feel, Joe, but like Tyler and I, you know, we're not jumping big on the, the King Grayskull bandwagon. He does have a lot of fans, you know, just like, you know, Granamere has a lot of fans. Yeah. So sometimes these uh, fan, these, these creative uh, contributions from creators really connect. Um, you know, you got Drago, man, who, with has awesome. basically no story other than the bio, and he's a huge fan, like fan, fan following. You know, he's, it's, it's just one of the things. Yeah. He's, he's a beautiful figure. Oh, he's great. He's great. Oh, definitely. The Four Horsemen, I mean, that's, you know, they get it. They've always got it, and I totally understood it. But like with the 2000X cartoon, 
I think all the pieces were there. I think all the effort was made. I think it's an excellent quality product from beginning to end. But for me, I felt that they worried too much about making something that resonated with fans at that time, like 20 something. I don't think they did enough to create a franchise that was specifically for children. Um, it, it's something where and I've told people this before. If you go back and watch a lot of those 2000 X cartoons, a lot of the things that fans geeked out about, about those cartoons was one retelling of stories they already knew or two, seeing a character for the first time that they never got to see in animated form. Like those are the things that people really, really geeked out on story concept and everything ahead. I mean, it was really solid, but I didn't, I didn't feel that it, it brought something to a new generation the way it should have. You know, I, I felt they just worried too much about retelling the same kind of thing with a few bells and whistles. I know not everybody feels that way, but at the end of the day, it didn't do well. And, you know, was it because of that? Was it just because, uh, you know, it was the wrong time for it? There, there's no answer. There's no answer for why 2000X didn't hit the mark. Because, you know, personal opinions aside about certain things, the effort was there. The effort was made. It was a really quality line and a really quality cartoon. And it just, you know, either, you know, people will blame Cartoon Network for putting in a bad time slot, what they don't know about is that Cartoon Network was desperately trying to find a time slot where people would watch it. You know, that's that's what people don't seem to know is that they think, oh, they, they moved it so people couldn't follow it. It's like, well, no, people really weren't watching it. So they, they were trying to find a place to put it. And then with the toys, the case ratios, as you know, weren't, they weren't good. Mm. Um, they weren't, they, no. they They went out the gate mimicking the Batman animated series uh, perspective. They, you know, were, he, Batman was always the case, he, you know, heavy case pack out. On the variants uh, too of Batman. I yeah, lots of variants, exactly. And so they went into there. It's like, well, He-Man and Skeletor, who everybody wants, so we're going to go heavy on that. Mm. And they went way too heavy, and yeah, it just, seen, yeah, I've never seen never... that many variants. It was a lot. It's like you said when you go into the store. That was the unfortunate thing was any of the unique characters where it was just yeah. the one in the pack, you know, four He-Mans, one of this, one of that. They're going to get the ones quickly, get a He-Man, but then the He-Man started really building up. And when you go to your local Toys or Us, especially with yeah. mine, I don't know about yours, but you'd walk in and there was just tons of stock of He-Man and Skeletor of all these variants. And it showed, oh. like you said, to people's eyes, it doesn't look like it sounds like, oh, look, nobody wants to buy He-Man. But the, the worst for me was when I, because as we all know, um, as, as fans of that time, we joke about Smash Blade, He-Man, and Spin Blade Skeletor, yeah. um, <laughs> which which had even more heavy case ratios packed out than the original ones with He-Man and Skeletor. And I walked into a Walmart in Lynchburg, Virginia, and there was an end cap. It was nothing but Smash Blade, He-Man, Spin Blade, Skeletors pushed onto the pegs so much that they were bowing out from them wow like they were, they were that overstock and they were not selling they were just yeah. sitting there and it's just it was a shame that that happened you know it's it i mean were kids even interested you know because the cartoon wasn't taking off maybe not um 
you know, would they have sold better if the cartoon had been ahead? Maybe, I don't know, but um, the ratios weren't good. Now they did end up really working to fix the ratios uh, for later figures that came out, but I think it was probably just too little too late at that point. Um, yeah, you started to see a lot more, you know, one, one-on-one, like, you know, six different figures in a case or like, you know, two He-Man and the rest figures, you know, and, um, you know, but um, yeah, unfortunately. So uh, I, I think- of the cartoon when you've seen everything the look the previews yeah. and watching it along with the toys i mean were you right there were you hooked or did you have reservations when you first seen the cartoon like hey, i'm not really feeling it or did you think it looked good right from the start i thought it looked good from the start i i expressed reservations about all the weapon twirling that we oh, saw. Yeah. Like, <laughs> really, <laughs> there was a lot of that it was like okay all right we get it <laughs> let's, let's go past this um but um it was a really quality product. I mean, when you saw it, it was like, wow. I mean, I love the filmation uh, cartoon. I think for its time and how it was how it was produced, uh, it was it was a great piece of animation. But in terms of like what you kind of hoped you could see as a kid, I think 2000X did that. Like that's the kind of action and and uh, I just just more robust animation you know there wasn't a lot of repeat stuff there wasn't a lot of uh you know like stock and stuff like that yeah exactly stock footage and stuff you know it was a lot of original um pretty much all original uh, footage so i think that really helped make it come across as a as a more exciting product all right tyler i'll pass to you if you want to i i I just i'm sure val remembers too because heman.org was that's where i saw like the first I think it the trailer I think was released at San Diego, and I think the cartoon was airing that August, and it was like that long lengthy trailer with like a movie trailer music attached yeah. to it, where there was just no voice; it was just action, action, music, and then a little bit of dialogue sprinkled throughout it, and then you had like the Cartoon Network trailers that would appear. I watched that trailer on Hemet or I I don't know how many times because <laughs> it was just. I ended up calling my brother. He was in Richmond at the time. I was like, dude, you got to listen to this. And he couldn't see it. He just heard it. He's like, sounds pretty badass. And I was like, you're going to love Triclops. In it. Dude, I'm telling you, you'll love Triclops just by that, that trailer alone. And that got him hooked. And he fell in love with Triclops and Cyclone and Skeletor. And uh, God, that was those trailers were, were just so much fun to watch. Yeah, because it, it, was, it, was it, it was an amazing. exciting time. It was a very exciting time. God, that was a fun summer. And that's the thing. I'll tell you guys, I didn't have a computer till years later. And my only access of going online at that time when the cartoon came out was my Sega Dreamcast. And all I remember I could do since I couldn't watch video on it or anything, I remembered, and I don't know if this was on the org. I'm assuming it was. I just, all I remember was seeing a button I could click for a sound clip. And I heard, by the power of Grayskull, you know, with Cam Clark saying it or whatever. It, it was Cam Clark, right? That did Prince Adam. Yeah. And, okay. I just remember I heard that. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be great. And then I would just take my controller and I kept hitting it over and over. I was like, that's how sad my technology was. I'm just listening to somebody say a line. But that that's was okay, it. You know? Did the org it have was exciting. That that's what matters. You know? it, it was. I'm just trying to remember if it was the org. I was like, I think it was the org that had this little sound bite you could click, you know, click on. But yeah, that was my first introduction to the cartoon was a sound bite. Pretty sad. Dude, but. it was. They, they let us debut that trailer on He-Man.org, which was awesome. And that was back when data use had a higher premium on it. And a lot of people don't 
well, a lot of the old school people around the org know this, but a lot of people you know, may not know is like, Mattel didn't want me to have advertising on the site. Um, and there was no advertising on He-Man.org until 2009. So every single thing on that site was paid for by me out of pocket. And that month, when that stupid trailer went up, I believe my <laughs> bill for that month was $3,000. Oh, my God. You know, to, Wait, to, they to charge pay. you because people watch it? Is that what you're saying? They were charging because people were watching that trailer? I, no, I, I, I had to pay that? for the data. All the traffic data that we used to watch that. Oh, that video. So, I, do I owe you money, Val? Like, am I? Doing, <laughs> or do I have any credit built up? That's Dude, part if, of the problem. If, if you if you only knew how much money I have lost on all things He Man over the years, you, you would you would want to go, you would want to hang yourself for me. So it's uh, it's 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 um, I, I do it voluntarily, but this, the stuff I've done has not come without a price. So I hope people appreciate all the things over the years that they've gotten to enjoy because it definitely came from a place of uh, of love um, to to provide it to my fellow fans. So uh, it's uh, it's uh, but that was one of them. That was that was an expensive endeavor. <laughs> Just the ones like, like yeah, oh. Network trailers that appeared like later on, right? Just that one trailer. No, yeah, it was just that very first one. I think it was like in like March of. 2002 or something like that, or May. I can't remember. It's been so long. Um, so I just, I just remember fans. Like you know what the fans thought. I'm sure, obviously, with the forums, do you remember like the overall response of what people were saying when they seen that trailer? It, it was really good. It was, it was really positive. Um, it, it definitely was not like the initial reaction to the reveal in 2001 of the He-Man statue <laughs> for the oh. new look for him. Oh my goodness, so much anger and, and vitriolic comments from people who just. We're losing their mind because things on He-Man were different for 2009. What were they liking? What was basically some of the designs they didn't like or didn't care for? For a lot of people, anything that was different. Um, but the big thing was definitely the sword. Uh, the, the, I have never seen so much hate for something as there was for that sword. And, and the thing was, is people didn't have any context. Like if they knew why that sword looked that way and if they had known the Four Horsemen's development story for it, I think it would have made sense. But when you take something like that, you put it out there with no explanation, you kind of have to expect people just to, you know, they're going to draw their own conclusions. That's natural. And um, mm -hmm. that's what happened. And uh, it was, it was not a, it was not good, but, but once the animation started coming out, actually the toys, when they debuted, like the prototypes in um, 2001 at uh, San Diego, they were, they were mostly really positive reviews. And then when the animation, animation stuff started showing in early 2002 um that was mostly positive from what i recall so it was just that initial like uh, you know to the to the first he-man look which was like kind of crazy it's 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 um you know people don't like change it's it's, it's it's it happens everywhere people do not like change to the things that they love so, to counter can to counter argue val's uh, uh salt wound uh, inflection on me there earlier <laughs> i did love the new look of he-man like when it came out like i because I remember reading good, about good. the horseman's idea that that was the the, the sword that was going to yeah. use to fill in the gap while Skeletor had the real power sword, the two halves of the power sword. I thought that yeah. was a brilliant idea, and I wish they had gone with that because I just thought this was a great kind of like we're jumping into a story that's already gone on. Like I, I thought exactly. that was a fascinating take, and I yeah. I embrace it. I love the like the hairdo, 
the the big bulky look. He was a little bit more leaner, but I got I, I those two up statues. I fell in love with every single one of those statues that were shown. I just I had nothing but praise. Well, that, that first the first statue was literally a two up that was cast over of the toy. So um, that really wasn't like because if you look at it, one of the comments like Cornboy pointed out, his arm that's up, you actually see the ball socket here where they left it they didn't remove it when they were you know uh you know do it to have as a statue i did like not catch that on. yeah that, that 2001 statue but all the statues that came later that the four horsemen released in NECA were all them going in and, and being on top of it and presenting the way they wanted to so that's why they did another he-man like later on they, they were able to go back to revisit the statue and kind of put out a he-man the way they wanted it to come out so i thought that was pretty cool Awesome stuff, God! That was that was another fun time with those, those statues. But uh, I, I I I do reminisce about that that magic time of of waiting for that new He Man show to uh, show up on Cartoon Network and the and that uh, block on Cartoon Network on on a Friday. I remember it premiered on a Friday, yeah. taping it and watching it and over and over again. Um, I, I I mean I did have a reservations about some of the voice acting. I wasn't too keen on. But other than other than that, I was, like Stratus, I was, Stratus so, was met with some confused God, reactions. I remember the, the uh. boards were filled up with like Sean Connery jokes left and right. And I'm like, oh yes. man, it's just everyone's making him into a joke now. <laughs> God, it was just I just I didn't think it was doing it any favors when people are constantly making jokes like that all the time. <laughs> oh, shit. It was, well, I was gonna say uh, you're right because I know Tyler didn't even like Eva Lynn's voice. <laughs> I know he still doesn't care for it. It much. was better than Clawful's, though. Oh, the God Clawful's voice. Uh, what's wrong, Tyler? You didn't like his voice? <laughs> God almighty. I was like, I'll pour salt to my own wound over that. <laughs> God, yeah, that, was that wasn't so good. They shouldn't have Even the first all. time it aired, like, my brother laughed at me because he knew how serious I took this stuff. And he just laughed in my face when Clawful started talking because he knew I was just kind of wincing inside. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> That was one thing. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a little quick story. Sorry, I mean stuff on you, Joe. I'm sorry. Um, it uh, the one thing I, I flat out refused to do in the comic was change the voices that I had intended for them, and I I gave everybody a little bit of a unique voice, but in particular, I viewed Clawful as being just a a, a sinister character. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah. And it's to me, he was like, you know, cold, like a crustacean, you know, he's, he's, you know, kind of unfeeling. And, and so like, there's one thing like in the comic, and he's like pointing up and he's, he's saying the masters, which I hate, by the way, the masters, they're all yes, the masters. Another one, yeah, another thing we agree um, on. Uh, but uh, it, it, you know, I understand why they did it, but they came back to him and said, no, he, he, well, no, but. They, they they came back and said, no, no, this needs to say, you need to be saying the masters. And I was like, I'm not doing that. It's funny no. you said sinister. What a word to pick because that is just what I was going to say when you were talking about Colossal and somebody was dumbed down. He was sinister, serious, and filmation and Skeletor actually seemed like respected him quite well yeah. compared to some of you know his other minions. And that is a shame that he went from that character in filmation to just them the hammering them. Yeah, and I didn't like it. Oh, just because he's big and strong and they make him an oaf. And, yeah, I was not a fan of that. That was a very unfortunate. But, well, that's everything probably I was going to say. I think we'd say about NYP, which is great, and I love you sharing all that. 
But Tyler yeah, I'm Adams, sorry I go on tangents. I apologize oh, no, for that. No, 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 that's no, no not at all. This yeah. has been a rich uh, discussion. I mean, from everything. So no, yeah. uh, this Tyler is and great... I are all about tangents. We do this all the time. We do we call <laughs> side, you know, side rants. We do it all the time. But no, when it comes to the secret identity, because we always do this with Prince Adam and you know with the Prince Adam He Man thing, and we talk about mm-hmm. some of the older comics, you know, with the DC comics going into the cartoon. What is your whole take on the whole secret identity? Necessary? You like it? Love it? I mean, what have you always thought? Um, about you know, it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I know that came up because, um, you know, they, they seem to have removed that for uh, Adora and Shira and the new cartoon. Um, I don't really know the context yet. I mean, I know some behind the stuff scene, but not a lot. So I need to you see know, it. To be honest, real quick, not to cut you off, but sure. th- that's something we were going to actually, when we had you on, was even before that even dropped. We knew nothing of that. This is just, it's a thing that me and Tyler love discussing. So that is just an absolute big coincidence. It was something we had planned before. Yeah. But go ahead. It's, 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 it's one of those things that for me, um, I like the secret identity because it, it's something where, you know, by, I, I don't know, I, for me, it, it's one of those things where it's like, if, if you could, if you could transform into He-Man or Shira, you know, and you can always be that, then why ever transform back? You know, like, why would you never always not want to be like the most powerful person? So I, I always thought, even though it was never clearly explained, I always thought it was pretty obvious that the power was temporary. You know, that it was something that, you know, it was kind of like almost like a battery, like it would run down on you over time, even though that doesn't explain like why, you know, he managed here as being the, you know, there would be like the inconsistent times or like why they would be that character. But it's, it, it, if when you look at it that way, if that is the case, which I don't know for certain, but again, that's how I view it, then, you know, they can't always be that character. So then they have to be their alternate identity. And when you're this alternate identity, um, you know, it, it becomes a, a potential concern. You know, if you can't always be this most powerful person, then you're not always going to be able to protect those around you. And if somebody can exploit that like a villain, then your friends and your family could be in harm's way. So the secret identity to me was really important because, you know, you not only have that aspect of it, but then it also gave you the ability to have a person that was quote unquote normal. Like there's somebody that you can relate to more because they're, you know, human in a way, even though they're Eternian, you know, um, they're still human, you know, archetypes or counterparts. So the idea is that you can relate to their frailty or their insecurities or their concerns. And then them having this ability, this, this, this power is something that kind of is what we hope we could do to be able to to be to protect the ones that we care about or to protect those around us or, or to, to be able to be strong at a time when we need to be strong. And so to me, the secret identity is is a vital aspect of what makes human share what it is. Um, so um, I, I am curious why it was removed for the new Shira cartoon, but I have to see the story. You know, I, I can't, I think it would be unfair to pass judgment on it until I can see exactly what they've got going on and why. So um, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. No, I was curious because that's what we were going to get you on. You know, last week was the whole secret identity thing. Some people loving it. Some people. Yeah, I'm sorry. It. I'm sorry. That was that DC issue beat me up. I <laughs> I was. Oh my goodness. I had a total of nine hours of sleep last week. I I that that issue was wow. a thirty eight. 
it's it's Batman Beyond issue 25. It was a 38 page issue, and I was just nose to the grindstone nonstop on that darn thing. So I apologize for missing. I, I wanted to be there for your 150th because that's a that's a major milestone for you guys. And congratulations, by the way, that's awesome. Well, thank, thank you. you. So thank um, you. you know, it's uh, but you know maybe it's good i wasn't there stinking up the show so you <laughs> no, have this, a more this been great to have you on because all the stuff we covered like that i felt like that would have been fitting for a 150th episode like to cover some mysteries some uncertainties some unknowns and you know you've really mm-hmm. elaborated like on things that i'm sure there's probably a lot of fans who weren't aware of a lot of the behind the scenes stuff so probably not i yeah. think it's, i think it's quite beneficial so that's kind of one of the perks of having you on for that 150th episode. Instead, we kind of go back and revisit something we've already talked about a million times and just kind of scrambling to, to do something. But, uh, but I, I feel like listeners have got their money's worth, you know, on this episode, it's been extremely informative. Just talking about the comic book alone. Like we, I felt we could have done a whole episode just based on the beginning, middle and end of your run on the comic book. It's something where it's like, that's, that's, you know, that time um, is something I'm really proud of. You know, I've I, 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 I enjoyed, um, you know, everybody that I worked with. Um, I'm happy that I was able to give a lot of people opportunities to also work on He-Man. And I'm, I'm still, you know, honored. And, um, uh, you know, I, I feel I owe a great deal of debt to uh, Mattel, in particular, um, uh, Heather, Jeff, and Jeremy, who were the ones that, that really pushed for me to have a chance at uh, Mattel to do that license. So it's something where, you know, they could have gotten some big shot company to do it, but they didn't. And they, you know, we did really good with it. You know, we, we kicked butt with that license and um, it was a good time. And, um, you know, so um, yeah, again, sorry, I wasn't on for 150. I, I like how you guys do it. I know we're, whenever we can do Rose Google Dinner, which has not been at, at all, it's almost going on two years on an episode now. Um, we're, we're pretty much topical, but I like how you guys do, um, a little bit topical and a little bit of retro, you know, stuff like that. It's, um, so it's, you, you give a nice, um, you know, I don't, I don't think you need to worry about rehashing topics there, Tyler, cause I think you guys keep it pretty fresh. So well, thank you. We appreciate you know. that. Yeah. yeah. We, we'll try to cover anything from just character bios to mini comics, UK stuff. And then mm-hmm. like you said, when there's just our random talking, we do in general and thoughts, maybe of things we'd like to see. And then when something does come topical, of course, we always, you know, put that in as well. I guess we have that rambling back and forth. We like doing it seems, you know, <laughs> fans get a kick out of it, but I'm going to ask fans now, if they wanted any questions in the chat room, because if you wouldn't mind Val, if they have some sure. questions for you, we'll see if they have some, we have usually, if they have any, I don't know <laughs> if they will, but they do. <laughs> Well, because there's usually a 30-second delay between when I ask this and tell people. But, uh, oh, okay, well, hold on a second. Uh, Justin Treese said, any more talk about PowerCon next year or in 2020? That's from Justin Treese in the chat room. Um, there is nothing to report about PowerCon at this point in time. I have a meeting uh, this week, and I may know how things are going to shake out after that so you know but we'll, we'll see how that goes so nothing unfortunately to announce at this time okay well, well thank you for asking i mean i mean answering that question appreciate and asking that justin um well zentron it's not really a question for val but he just wanted to mention one thing and i i didn't know this he said he wanted us to give a shout out and well wishes for melindy Britt because apparently this tuesday she's going to be going for injections for her injured knee and yes Ooh. we hope she has a speedy recovery mm-hmm. i did not know that did either of you know about that no, I did not. I, I did not know about that. You know, Melindy's uh, 
she's a lovely lady and um you know i've gotten to meet her a couple of times she's an absolute sweetheart she uh she's a very beautiful woman too and she doesn't think she is it's like you know she's always like kind of hiding from cameras and stuff i'm like why are you doing that like i was like you're 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 you're, you're a very attractive very sweet woman that people are excited to be in photos with and um yeah she's always been an absolute angel like anytime she's you know been at PowerCon. so she's i hope her surgery goes uh you know very smoothly and um you know gets well soon and you know thank you thank you to who posted that for the heads up on that yeah Ventron, thank you for that and you know that's yeah because and also thanks to justin for wanting to know more about PowerCon. So. Oh, okay. And, and that, that is the thing. We did have uh, Melinda on, and it was, it's what we call our lost episode, unfortunately, because she didn't uh, have, at the time, I couldn't remember if we were doing Skype, Tyler. I thought we were doing Skype, and she didn't use Skype, so we did a phone call to where we tried to have it recorded, but it got uh-huh. lost, and God, uh-huh. it was such a genuine It was a good interview, interview oh. too. She only gave us we were told in advance 15 minutes, but she was, she liked what we had to say. And we went, I think a little bit over that. And she was very grateful and humble. And my audio was bad because I was asked to switch over to a different format instead of using what I normally do. And it was botched that way. And I sound like an idiot to her because I just didn't come through clear. And <laughs> But she was so I'm, I'm nice sure you sounded so cool. absolutely fine. God, but it, it was a shame we lost it because it was a good interview. And yeah, she, like yeah, you said, just she was so a sweetheart. Sweet. Yes, yeah, sweetheart, gracious. And, yeah, she just talked about everything. And she is hot, you know? man. She's still hot. <laughs> she's, a, she's a very attractive woman. Yes, she is. See, we give, we give her those compliments that she likes, and then a, a fuel or fire of a quick, speedy recovery just here and stuff like that. So, yes, we do want you to get well very quickly and hope everything goes great for you. Uh, Zen Brown had a question. This is uh, something if you hopefully know the behind-the-scenes stuff. He said, whose idea was it for the look of the battle armors and the dragon walker on MYP? Do you by chance know that? Uh, I do not know specifically who did the designs on that, unfortunately. I, I didn't have a lot of communication directly with uh, Mike Young Productions. The only person I spoke with on a regular basis was Dean Stefan, the late, great Dean Stefan. And um, Dean and I, yeah, he's, he's a man that was tough, him not being there this year at PowerCon. Um, he, uh, Dean and I talked a lot, you know, but mostly we got on the phone and just talk about nonsense but um you know it was it was mostly story so when it came to the art side it was it was generally just passed to me like okay here's here's new stuff here's a reference packet and that's about as much interaction we had so i never caught the names of a lot of the designers there so unfortunately i don't know i'm sorry okay well what you know thank you for at least answering for what you at least could answer and remember we appreciate it and thank you zen brown for asking that and i guess like another question would be you know how they can always find the filmation cells for back in the day. Did things like that even exist for the MYP cartoon? Are there cells that floating around, or does that belong specifically to one place, one location? They they didn't do cells, but they did do model sheet packs. Um, there's actually, uh, I think the I'm pretty sure the Bible is actually we posted it. We posted it on HeMan.org actually. Um, uh, the Bible for uh, Mike Young Productions. So it's uh, for the cartoon. So it's it's out there, and you can see. I think there's some of the, I don't remember there being uh, like the, like, for example, like the, the color call outs, like the Pantone call outs. I, I don't remember lineups like they did for that. I know they had individual ones, but I don't even know if those had Pantone call outs on them. I do remember some size charts 
uh, with line art, I'm uh, showing the different height of everybody. I think He-Man clocked in at six foot six. Um, and then like some of the villains, you could see the actual scale on that was pretty neat. But um, yeah, definitely no actual cells. Everything was all digital, so they didn't have wow. any cell animation. It says, I'm glad you gave a thing yeah. about the they did some. They did some fake ones. Oh, did well, they? They, they made some fake ones. Yeah, it's like in the early, early days, they made some fake ones that they gave away uh, as like part of contest or something as, as promotional devices at, at like San Diego Comic-Con one year. Um, if I remember correctly, that might not have been where they did it. I thought that's where it was, but there's not many of them, but those are fake. You know, they're not real. They didn't have any actual cell, cell art for 2000X, I think. Dang it. Now, now, that would have been cool just to get, like you said, to see even the fake ones or have some fake ones. Yeah. I can't even imagine getting a hold of piece like that. That's pretty great. But okay, well, um, Tyler, I was gonna pass it to you if you had anything you want to say in closing before we wrap it up. Because again, I just want to thank everybody that was in the chat room for you know your participation and the questions you gave to Val and and just you sticking around. We always love having you here each week. But Tyler, I'll pass it to you before we wrap her up. I, I just wanted to say first off, and thanks Val for everything you've done for He Man with the website promotions uh you know uh i have to say because this is a fun val flagged me on the on the on the boards one time for posting about a he-man rumor concerning a movie i remember it was like in a private conversation like he, he told me it was like I, it was like being pulled pulled outside the classroom now young man you can't do that now that a, <laughs> yeah we we used to be pretty strict about um not spreading rumors unless they were very specifically stated as rumors. I remember um, doing that too, and I'm like, oh my god! I was like, I thought I obeyed the rules here, man. It was Adam oh, Rickman being cast to play E-Man. That's I specifically remember the rumor I posted about. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's it's there's there's value in rumors. It's just um, it's it's all about how you how you salt and pepper them around. Um, so you know, it's just uh, usually like we, you know, you're not the only person that's ever gotten. You know, had a finger wag at you, but yeah, usually they, you know, all the mod, all, all the mods and everything, try to do it pretty, you know, low key. There's very, there's actually, despite some of the rumors out there, there are very few people that have ever been banned from the forums. You know, there's there's not many, and and most people have gotten like one, you know, maybe two, you know, like most actually most people have got nothing, um, and then the people that have, it's like every once in a while. You know something, so it really it doesn't happen that often. You know? That's good. I like what Tyler up a story. That was just a fun. That was just a fun fun thing because I I I, it, I just don't even remember stuff like that because like whenever I did mod, I mean you you're 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 thinking about it systematically, so you like load things up and you go through them and you're not thinking, you know, it's not personal, so you don't, you know, you don't think, you know, you're not trying to single anybody out. And and I think when you mod, as you have a tendency to forget that to the other person, if it's like the very first time they've ever had a mod say them to, then it, it might feel personal because they feel like maybe they're coming after them for something. And it's not, you know, it's not it, it, at all. And it's um, it's just you know, I I don't even remember. It's like I don't even remember this. Yeah, it's like there's just been so many things. It's like it's just you know, it's like I, I probably didn't even think about it like five minutes after it happened. You know, so yeah. it wasn't like a long like you know. Now look, you know, or anything like that. It was very, very calm, very polite. I just, I just remember being disappointed because I really thought I was obeying the rules by saying explicitly, "This is a rumor. What do you think if, if this was real?" And it was, and I just got dropped, and I, 
I mean, that was my first actual interaction, I think, with Val on the website. So it was just him being. Gosh, how long ago is this then? Because like, the movie stuff's been floating around for so long now. Jeez. Yeah, I'd say probably early two thousands. I mean, it was. Um, yeah, Oof. it was. It was a long time ago. I didn't post that much. I, I was more into like reading what people had to say because I would post something, and everyone would ignore it. So I was just like, well, I kind of get. I'm not wanted here, so I just kind of read what, <laughs> what people had, what people had to say. It's but um, his, his I, memory, I do want to thank. What's yeah, that? Go ahead. I said, you know, Tyler in his memory, he's one not to forget. He remembers everything from when he was like <laughs> years old. So and you're a pretty in trouble, sharp memory. Yeah. And uh, but I, I want to thank Val first off for everything you've done from the ground up of getting the website going, providing you know so much info from the golden books, and the many comics and figures you know, putting people in charge of the forums. It's it's really, it provided a big playground for me in those early days of the internet for me to go and get my fix of looking at pictures and and just having a field day and making connections on the, on the marketplace forums and stuff like that, of getting action figures and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, we have you to thank for that. And if people don't know that, I think they need to know that. And, um, because it's the greatest source of info on the internet, aside from my own brain, uh, of he mad org. And I, I really want to thank you with all my heart for all the hard work you put into it, for the money that you've lost due to my repetitive views and things like that. <laughs> you know, I just I apologize for the three thousand dollar bill you had that month. And yeah, uh, that was not fun. Thanks for everything. I mean, really, and, and thanks for what which has not taken place because the website is still going strong. So, you know, it's uh, I appreciate all your hard work and assembling great teams of, of keeping it together and your uh, all the work on the dark horse stuff that you contributed on in Super Seven. I mean, it's um, it's not it, it needs to be committed more frequently. And uh, I thank you for your tag team with uh, Axel. Because that's, oh, that's yeah. a tag team. I love, I love seeing that you picked Axel. I want to thank you for that, too, for utilizing his amazing talent as well, too. So I got a lot to thank you for. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that. You know, I mean, some things you said I can't, you know, take the credit for. Like, you know, I didn't start he man the door. Jason Moore started it. And then Adam, Matt brought the stove over. I just carried the torch on, you know. And I was, I was there modding and contributing, but they really started it. And, um, you know, there was there's a lot of things that I've, I've tried to do. I, I've never been... Um, I never, I've never tried to be a braggart. You know, I, I, I don't like that. I don't like to, I'm not a good self promoter. So I don't think a lot of people know everything that I've done and that I've been involved in or am involved in now. Um, you know, I, I do my best to try to put other people in the spotlight so they get a chance because I've been so fortunate to work on so many things that I feel, okay, you know, maybe some of these other people deserve a chance to shine, you know, and, and try to do it. Um, you know, our community is an interesting one. It's a really passionate one. There's unfortunately some sad aspects of it where people don't get along now. And, um, you know, we're not the big happy family. We necessarily might've been once upon a time, you know, but hopefully that'll change over time because at the end of the day, I'd like to think we're all still fans. You know, all here for yeah. the same thing. And, you know, once we get past personal differences, you know, hopefully everybody can just enjoy what we're here for um, and get back to arguing about, you know, scare glows origins or, you know, like, <laughs> you know, the things, things that really make us a fan community, not our, our, our personal gripes to one another, you know? No, I'm glad exactly. you said, I mean, it's almost like what, you know, while we were talking about basically from the beginning of how sometimes impressions and things, they can change. 
There could be some things that you maybe don't like, then you start to like. And sometimes, like you said, there might be disagreements with people, but within time, maybe, you know, just time heals all wounds, as they say. You never know. And that's all you can hope for. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, just one last thing. It's a quick tangent back to what you said, but sure. it was interesting when you said about the six foot six, you know, He-Man, mm-hmm. uh, you know, MYP. That's what always was in my head. I don't know if you remember. It's nothing groundbreaking, but they had a goofy screw attack uh, video of He-Man versus Lionel. And I always mm-hmm. remember their description they gave of He-Man. They said he was six foot 11, 320 pounds. And I was like, was this said somewhere officially, or is this them just making up rambling nonsense? <laughs> you know, I never knew. So I'm glad you gave it an official height because they were going by slightly MYP stuff, meaning they also pointed out descendant of King Grayskull. So this was after the whole MYP thing. And I used to gotcha. always think, gotcha. yeah, I always thought it was an MYP height, but you just uh, debunked that. So he's six foot six. His weight, I guess, is that, unknown. That's, that's what it, it looks like six foot six on the chart. Maybe it's six foot five. Yeah, maybe six foot seven. I don't know. I, I mean, but it's um, it looked like it was an like even six six, and uh, um, but that's his mic on production height. I don't know what his filmation height is. So, well, there you um, go. You know. I'm glad you gave it though, because at least now I know that whatever was on Screw Attack was screwed up. No pun intended. So, <laughs> <laughs> gave it. but uh, all right. Well, again, I wanted to thank everybody that was in the chat room. It was a blast having them here. And Val, it was an absolute pleasure and honor. And I'm glad you joined us and got to ramble back and forth. And hopefully, you could do it again if you want. And we could have other topics and just you know cover anything. Ah. You want to come back and join us? It was a lot of fun. I mean, I really appreciate you guys wanting me to come on here. You know, I mean, you guys have been been kicking butt you know i wish i could uh you know have the uh just the stick to itiveness you guys have had and the, the passion to keep doing the show like you know weekly like you have without stopping you know and i'm assuming there's not you know no plans to stop anytime soon right no nope. we we do worry about topics because we we we've all often said that we could we could we do commentaries for every single episode but i'm like dude if we do the star child it's gotta be like the last thing on earth like there's nothing <laughs> left to do the island remember you know? no the, the island the island too you know it's like <laughs> we've hit the bottom of we're below the bottom of the barrel and we do a commentary <laughs> for the island and you know and that might be like the last episode, kind of like the cold zone was the last episode like that'd be the last episode of fans of power no official ending just ends Exactly. That, would, that would officially be the end but you know how it is we always do a little closing thing we say and one of the people in the chat room usually has a a quote tyler does the quote thing and tyler's always like oh, you know like when zentron likes doing his quotes they're usually i won't i won't get this but yeah but i'll give you a shot to give it because i actually might know this one and zentron's movie quote was well isn't that the fault of the voters do oh you... like you go in two and uh two and a half smell of fear it, and i was gonna say that is what it is but well i guess uh <laughs> Well, Val didn't get his chance to cast. Yes, and I knew that. I was going to say, I actually knew that was Nick Gun two and a half. So we got it that time, Zentron. But all right. Well, I was just going to say again, if you like, you know, this video, like it, share, subscribe, ring the bell so you always get notified when we go live. So until next time, have a powerful day. Yeah. Val, you can say a closing, and then uh, Tyler can probably do his thing that he's going to stump me on. Oh, oh. No, I didn't have a quote. Like I, n- I never do a quote when you have a guest on. Ah, you I can just, still just... do one. Go ahead. You gotta do. It. We can see if Val can get it. You gotta do a quote. I won't get it, but go for it. Oh, uh, God. Um, the, the movie trivia is not strong in Val. <laughs> see, I'm trying to think of something I watched recently here. Oh, oh. Um, if you if you're not for the people, then you can't buy the people. Lincoln. No idea. <laughs> and I don't know it either. Uh, what is it? Al Pacino and Dick Tracy.
Oh God! Oh gosh! Movie. I haven't seen that movie. That's a great movie. I haven't seen that in years, though. Oh, I, I love it. it was I don't think I've seen it once in my life. But all right, guys, see you oh next time. Oh my God! <laughs>